Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. Today I have a special episode for you that's publishing across both of our shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Examiner Show. We're going to explore how to launch products and lessons from my experience and from, frankly, lots of mistakes. You're going to discover why this is a timely topic, and I do believe that this is going to be extremely valuable for you if you think that you're going to launch a product or a company anytime in the future, you're going to find a lot of value out of this particular episode. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. I'm joined by Leslie Samuel. He's one of our senior managers who I've been working with since the fall. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Well, you know, um, why don't you tell everyone why we decided to do this? So, so here's the thing, right? I've been around this whole, you know, marketing online thing for a while. Um, I've been involved with a number of product launches and over the last few months, I've been working with Social Media Examiner and, and seeing behind the scenes of what you guys do. And I thought to myself, man, this stuff is so fascinating. I've learned so much in the last few months of doing this, about nine months, that I felt that, listen, people want to hear this stuff because I don't see people talking about this launch process in the way that you guys are doing it. So I know that the Social Media Examiner audience will just love this and chew this up and, and be excited to go out there and do some awesome things. So, awesome. so that's kind of why I wanted to 
um, get this dialogue going. And, and I think where I would like to start is by kind of talking about your experience with launching in the past, because you've been on this interesting journey that has really informed a lot of what you do. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, just to give you a little bit of a, a backstory about me, I used to work at Sharper Image. Have you ever been to Sharper Image before, Leslie? Do you know? I've never been there. I've heard of them, but I've never been there. So Richard Tallheimer is the founder of Sharper Image, and they used to have these stores all over the country. And um, I was one of the managers there. And mm-hmm. every literally week or so, shockingly, <laughs> we would have to redesign the entire store literally from scratch. And it's because our products that came into the store were constantly changing. Everything from like uh, vintage, vintage cor- corbet, uh, Corvettes to strange things from movie sets to all this kind of stuff. And it was just literally, literally like starting from scratch every other week. And one of the things that I learned while working at the Sharper Image is that change is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I kind of embrace that. I have been... Um, doing entrepreneurship for 19 years. And I constantly am reinventing myself, constantly launching new products. And as a matter of fact, if I think just for the last five and a half years or so since I launched Social Media Examiner about the things that I have launched, I'm just going to kind of give you a high level. Social Media Success Summit, obviously, and by the way, that came out before Social Media Examiner. Social Media Examiner itself, Then we did Facebook Success Summit, Small Biz Success Summit, Content Marketing Success Summit, and I know I'm missing some. In addition, um, we launched our networking clubs. Uh, This podcast, and by the way, the networking clubs are defunct now. Um, This actual podcast, Social Media Marketing World, the Social Media Examiner Show, My Kids Adventures, the Parenting Adventures podcast, my book launch, and I know I'm missing some things, but literally every time we've launched one of these things, it's literally completely like something brand new. How could you not say social media marketing world? <laughs> no, I, I think I said social media oh, marketing world. Did you world. say that? Oh, yeah. Okay, I missed it. <laughs> That's perhaps the biggest. <laughs> Definitely. So, 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 okay, when I hear a bunch of those things that you just said just now, there, there are like one or two that really stands out. Like one of these things is just not like the others. Right. You right. said My Kids Adventures and the Parenting Adventures podcast. Um, I know back in December, I, well, actually before that, I remember when you first launched My Kids Adventures. It was something that I was excited about because, you know, I was just about to become a new parent and all that stuff. So it, it, it was just fascinating to me. But back in December, you did a show <laughs> where you spoke about failure and the failed launch of My Kids Adventure. Um, and I know there's a lot that went into that. The question is, what lessons did you learn from that that kind of help you as we're moving forward, as Social Media Examiner is moving forward? Well, just to give the quick backstory, we launched in July, June or July of 2013, this website that's designed to help parents, basically busy parents, do fun activities with their kids. And my grand vision was to be the next Walt Disney. And um, I thought that I would, you know, use this as a platform to write children's novels. Um, I shut it down a year later, uh, a year and a a couple months later. And then I I talked about that in in that particular episode of the podcast uh, in December. And I got a lot of great feedback, frankly, from it, because I talked about things that people don't talk about, like, hey, you know, everybody talks about their success. Nobody talks about their failures. So um, lost a lot of money. And really, you know, when when things go bad, 
when things don't happen the way that you're expecting and when they're cataclysmic failures, like I considered my kids adventures. And by the way, some people don't look at it as a failure, but you know, I spent frankly over $300,000 on that venture and lost it all. So, um, for me, that's a problem. So, Mm -hmm. so long and short of it is to your question, what, you know, lessons did I learn? Well, first of all, I learned that when you launch something in a space that's new, that you don't have a lot of experience in, that you really need to do a lot of research. Um, and what I mean by research is you need to do a lot more research than what I did. Um, you need to make sure that the assumptions upon which you are investing and building whatever you're building are solid as a rock. I did not do that. All I, I want to jump in there really quick, Mike, because you said that you did not do your research. But when I looked at what you did back then, I think to myself, you did research. Um, so was there kind of like a specific type of research that you felt that you didn't do that, okay, that is the thing that I had to really do that just was missing? Well, I'll tell you what we did do. We went to the library and to bookstores, and and we studied all the popular books on kids' activities. We identified all the popular blogs, and we basically made a lot of assumptions based on what we saw everyone else doing. Okay. But what we didn't test was we didn't test whether the audience would be receptive to what we were building that we were trying to target. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So the people we were trying to target were people like you and me, Leslie, who are very busy working professionals. And what we didn't test is whether or not they had the time, even though they might have had the desire, they had the time to actually read, consume, do, and share. And those are all critical metrics to the success of all the other ventures that we've done. So we didn't do a lot of assumption testing, and that was our big mistake. So really quick, how would you have tested that? If you were to go back then, this is Mike two years ago. (laughs) I would have gone to every conceivable, I would have gone to multiple trade shows where I felt like this audience was, and I would have started talking to these people. And -hmm. I would have said, hey, would this be of interest to you? I probably would have partnered with one of these big sites that already existed and asked them to do a joint survey with me so that we can basically gather some data you know, that's the kind of stuff that I would have done. Um, I needed to essentially get raw, actual data to prove some assumptions because in the end, oh, and the other thing, <laughs> my biggest mistake was I thought we were going to monetize this thing on display advertising. Uh-huh. And this is my biggest mistake. I should have frankly talked to everybody and asked them what kind of money they were making and what kind of traffic they needed to make that kind of money. That was my bi- That was a huge problem. And there are other, there are a couple other things that that uh, were big mistakes for me, Leslie. Um, you know, sometimes it's better to just go deep in mm-hmm. a space where you are uh, already successful than to try to go um, wide into a space where you don't know anything. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, because like. Um, there's so many niches that so many people are listening to right now that, that they have um, probably developed some success in, and maybe they're selling products or services that are successful. And maybe, you know, they hear the word pivot and they say, okay, I want to go into something new, but maybe that's not the smartest thing in the world. Maybe the better thing to do would be to step to the left or step to the right and figure out a bridge, if you will, for your existing audience to something that is new, but still is going to fit within your audience. Because the hardest thing in the world is to create a, an audience. And, and bottom line is you cannot launch a product if you do not have an audience. And, and the interesting thing to me is this, right? You, you are trying to build 
something that's kind of like the equivalent of social media examiner, but in a totally new space. And social media examiner itself, I mean, how much does that, how does it take to keep that going? I mean, you have a, a staff, a full staff. You guys are doing a ton of work. I forgot how hard it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to do it in something completely new. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see how doing that research, number one, that would have been very vital. And then just a realistic view of what it would have taken to accomplish what you said you were trying to accomplish. Well, you know, what we're going to do now for the rest of the show um, is Leslie and I are going to break down actually the phases of a product launch that we know works. And part of the reason we know it works is because we've been actively working on this together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> L- literally for the last nine months. Nine months. And it's been fascinating for me. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on the different phases. And the first phase I know that we went into was the research and definition phase. Um, Where did that even start? Well, for me, whenever I have a new idea for a product, it always comes to me while I'm either in the shower or driving. (laughs) You know, so literally it starts with a spark in my brain where I wake up in the morning early and I'm like, oh, I got this crazy idea. And I always call it a crazy idea. So one of the first things that I do is I talk to people that I trust and I talk through kind of what my idea is and I try to see whether or not, you know, this vision that is in my head is crazy or not. And I, I can tell you, Leslie, that I have these crazy ideas about every two months. And the vast majority of them never, ever turn out to anything. I'm curious, though. Do you remember where you were when you had this vision for this project? Specific? I have no clue. I don't even okay. remember. It seems like it was years ago. Yeah. So the next thing is that I um, I talk to a lot of people. And... Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, usually it's my trusted friends and stuff. It's people on staff. It's our team. And I just say, hey, what do you think about this idea? And I kind of lay out what my vision is. And a lot of them, you know, uh, some of them say it's crazy. Some of them say it's a good idea. But here's a little lesson that I want to give everybody that's listening right now. Beware of what your friends tell you because they will often tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. And, um, So this is only the first part of the process. Like if I said, I want to go ahead and develop a hoverboard, everybody's going to say, that is so cool. But (laughs) none of my friends are going to say you're insane. That's ridiculous. Uh (laughs) So sometimes you got to take it beyond, um, you know, just your friends, or you've got to go to those friends who are going to be wickedly honest with you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But even better, you want to talk to people who might be the, um, the consumer of that, whatever it is you have in your brain. That's the best way to do it. And that's where so many of us fall down. We never talk to the people that are going to ultimately be the consumer or recipient of whatever that we're actually doing. Definitely. And I, and I know that when we were going through this, there was a lot of research that we did. Um, yes, we, you, first you spoke to people, um, then you, you spoke to me, and, and we decided that we're going to do some specific type of research um, to test the assumptions that like, you didn't do on the previous project, at least to this extent. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the assumption testing process and how we went through that. First of all, where do you even come up with these assumptions? Well, Here's the thing. I mean, after talking to a lot of people, you know, um, I was kind of justifying why I thought this might be successful, you know. Uh Um, And one of the things that I thought is that marketers are really busy and they don't have a lot of time. And one of my assumptions was that they don't have a lot of time to read the content that we publish every day. So, you know, I came up with a list of assumptions and, you know, 
you know, they're, they're mostly just based on my eyes seeing a lot of data through Google Analytics and just experience and talking to people over many, many years. But um, the fun part is when we actually do the researching. And I decided in the fall to go ahead and put what I call the reader survey together. And some of you that are actually uh, subscribers to our email newsletter probably got this email. And in that survey, we asked a whole bunch of questions. Like, for example, um, one of the questions was, um, pick which pick which one of these you can most resonate with. I care more about strategy. Uh, the other one was, I care. I want to know how to do it. I don't care about strategy or something along those lines. And that was testing an assumption that a big chunk of our audience is much more interested in tactics. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and and I had to test the assumption that people wanted to be shown how to do things rather than um, rather than told the theory behind them and all these kinds of things. So we came up with all these different series of questions and I asked them in different ways. I would ask them whether they agree or strongly agree with these questions on a scale of one to five, which is called Likert, uh, Likert test. Uh Um, I would ask them to, you know, pick only one from the following list and all these different kinds of, of things. And then the magic sauce is the demographic questions. I would ask them to identify what their role is, how big of a company they work in, whether they're male or female, um, and all these other different classifications. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. So bottom line is after about a week, we had 4,500 marketers take the survey, which is a lot. You know, even before that, I think there was something interesting that happened in the coming up with the assumptions and coming up with the survey questions. You didn't just come up with these assumptions and these survey questions and throw them out there. You came up with some assumptions. You bounced them off your team. We had some input and there was this back and forth and discussing, really, is that the way we want to ask that question and so on? And we really came up with something that uh, when it was all said and done, it really did an awesome job at, at, at testing those assumptions. So I think that back and forth um, discussion thing was also a key part of it. Well, yeah, I would strongly agree so. And, and you know, just a couple tips to anybody that wants to do this kind of survey data. What we didn't ask in the survey is, would you be interested in buying this product? Because that's not going to help us. Uh-huh. What we were trying to identify in the survey was the pain points that we felt like our readers, our audience faced. And um, if we were correct that the pain points were accurate, then we knew that a product that could deliver on those pain points would be very successful to this audience. Yeah. Now, the magic behind doing these kind of surveys, Leslie, is when you can actually do deeper analysis. For example, I can't remember the exact question, but um, I think one of the questions was, um, you know, um, uh, I'd rather be, sh- be shown how then uh, I, I want to be shown how, how to do, a, you know, social media marketing, you know, strongly agree, agree, yada, yada, yada. I was able to isolate just those that strongly agreed with that statement. And then what I was able to do was look at how the demographic audience changed. Do you understand where I'm going with yep. this? Definitely. So if you didn't ask the demographic questions in the first place, um, you know, and you're going to get all sorts of different size audiences and stuff. But then when you do that micro analysis and say those that strongly agree with this statement, how do they differ from the master audience? That is when the gold comes in, because the result of that is we are told a profile or a makeup of our exact audience. So we now know what size company they work for. We now know what their gender is. We now know what kind of issues that they care about because we were able to do that data. That is invaluable. And I got to tell you, ever since that Mark, My Kids Adventures 
you know, problem, fiasco, if you will. I, I said, I'm not going to do another big project like this unless I know yeah. the kind of stuff that I need to know. And we have that data now, and that data is very powerful. And just want to mention that the tool that we use for that was SurveyMonkey, and that allows you to isolate the, that specific demographic. Um, I know there are a number of tools out there, survey tools that don't allow you to do that. So I just want to put that in there. Um, and, and that to me was awesome just to see, you know, how the demographics change as we isolated those individuals that had that specific pain point. Um, so yeah, that was fascinating to me. <laughs> so I know it's going to be fascinating to somebody listening here right now. Oh, that, um, that wasn't the end of it though, right? So no, um, it was. we developed a profile sheet yep. and I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if you do, but maybe you could look it up. Nah, I don't know if that's necessary, but we developed kind of a, a talking point sheet. So we kind of knew who we were targeting, what their interests were. And it was pretty powerful. If you find that, you know, we can talk about that. But something else that we did is we didn't just research our audience. We also did pretty extensive competitive analysis. What were we looking for when we were looking at that competitive analysis? We were looking for, you know, who was out there doing something similar? What were they doing? What features did they have? What, how did they structure this program that they were doing? Just to see what was out there and what was lacking. Um, and, and I think that was a big part of it. So I remember, you know, going to a bunch of sites and, you know, doing a lot of write-ups on this is what they have. This is the benefit. These are the, short, the shortcomings that we see. Um, and by that, we could really come up with a, a, an idea that we know is going to be awesome. And the reason why we do this is because if you haven't noticed, Social Media Examiner strives to be the best in category in everything that we do. And um, as a matter of fact... Our vision statement is as follows, and I've never publicly disclosed this, but all that we serve is quality and we service all with excellence. So we are not of the mindset of release it and improve it as you go. Yeah. Um, we want to wow out of the gate. And in order to wow out of the gate, you got to do a heck of a lot of work. And, you know, I mean, just to give some context, we spent literally months on this phase, didn't we, Leslie? Yes, we did. We did. And that was fascinating to me. And, you know, there's this whole, you know, debate about the minimal viable product, which I think is a valid um, idea. I think it's a valid thing. But Social Media Examiner went about it kind of like the totally opposite. There's so much work that <laughs> went in behind the scenes and in this research phase. And this is just the first phase. We try to be like Apple. You know what I mean? Like that I, I look at what Apple does when they come out with a product like this new watch. They're not just coming out with any watch. They're coming out with a watch that's going to wow the world. Yeah. And of course, they're going to iterate it and add functions and features later. But they take their time and make sure that they get it right. And this was something, frankly, that was very important for us. I love it. I love it. So, so we analyzed the, com the competition and we really saw what was lacking. We saw what was needed. And, and I, from there, we kind of went on to the next phase which was the development phase, right? Yeah, so, um, all right, so in that first, that first phase, which is that research and definition phase is, yep. is critical, and that's where everybody, frankly, fails. They skip right to this phase that we're about to talk about. And, um, you know, the magic sauce is everything that Leslie and I have been talking about. But in, in the development phase, um, what that was for us was actually literally um, finding the right developer to build what we were going to build. Because we knew that this was um, bigger than anything we've ever done before, and we could not do it ourselves in-house. But, but at the very beginning of the stage, it actually involved what I'll call the visual stage. 
And this is where we worked with Greg, our illustrator, who does all the awesome artwork that you see everywhere on Social Media Examiner and all I, of our properties. Go ahead. I've got to interject here because I've never seen anything like this part right here. <laughs> because you're, when it comes to the visual layout, I want you to explain your, your, your frame of reference when it comes to the visual design. Because... That really was a, a direct outgrowth of the research that we had done, of the vision that we had for it. But it, 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 was, it was so, it was magical to watch. So I want you to talk about it. Okay, well, um, my background is, I, my, first, my first business was a creative services agency. So I got to work with a lot of designers and that's where I found Greg. And um, the process of creating for me is really very cool and iterating the, creation, the creative process. So... Um, so for me, it always starts with a metaphoric visual that's inside of my head. Mm -hmm. And um, it starts with what I call an inspiration shot. And this is actually, uh, this particular uh, inspiration photograph was a hiker on a vista looking out. He'd already, you know, he's already at the top of the mountain and uh -huh. he's like on the edge and he's looking out into the horizon as far as the eye can see, seeing mountains and mountains behind him. And I just knew that that was such a strong visual for what we were going to be building that I gave that exact picture to Greg, our designer, and we started the process of mocking up design iterations. Yeah. And um, I mean, Leslie, you can you can we I mean, explain a little bit about from your perspective, kind of what that process was, what you what you saw. So it was fascinating because you had the, um, the inspiration shot of the, the guy at the cliff. You send that to him and he came back with something. It didn't look like anything very special. He kind of lumped things together to get an idea of, is this what you're thinking? It was kind of uh, like the old fashioned cutting things out of magazines and taping exactly, them all together, right? That is exactly what it was like. So he just patched these things together and sent it over and said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And I was actually quite surprised at the first, um, the first run. I was like, wait, what is this? <laughs> but you kind of explained this is a part of the process. And we refined that and refined that. And it was a ton of back and forth. And eventually we had something and it was like, man, that is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's um, when you work with a designer and you're trying to, to, to take something that's kind of in your head and build a visual that's going to immediately resonate with people, it's, you need to be working with a designer who's patient and, and can keep yeah. working with you. And a lot of people that work with designers just accept the first draft that they get and, and are done with it. And they don't understand that the, the art direction process is actually a lot of fun for designers. Yeah. And, and um, we did a lot of art direction. There was a, you know, eventually I said, okay, we, let's make the man a woman. Let's put a ponytail on her. Let's put other people out on the vista. Let's add tents. Let's put um, some trees along the bottom. Let's add an eagle. Let's make the mountain ranges look a little different. Okay, let's add a waterfall over here, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff we did. And it took a long time, didn't it? It really did. We actually, I think this was back in, in December, and we were trying to get everything ready for January. I don't know why we were even thinking that. So I call this the masthead, you know? So typically, this is the image that you see for example, if you go to Social Media Examiner, you know, Scout is holding a magnifying glass and, you know, is typically in a jungle motif. Or if you go to Social Media Marketing World, there's a bunch of people on a beach with, you know, iPads and iPhones in their hands. Clarify really quick, who's Scout? Scout oh, Scout is our, is our mascot, our logo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so, so this graphic that we're creating, this inspiration 
piece, I call it the masthead, serves as the foundation for literally everything that we develop. Yeah. And when I say literally everything, I mean, you know, part of this design process is creating a sign or a logo. You know, in this p- particular case, we created a sign that was a wooden sign that you might see when you're on top of a mountain with the yeah. name of what we're building, you know. And then ultimately, you know, we create um, all sorts of different size graphics for all the different platforms. We create, you know, Facebook open graph images, Twitter card images, advertisements, uh, yep. PowerPoint templates. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But we took this image and we went to the developer. Yeah. And we can. you want to talk a little bit about the, develop, the actual developer side of things? Yeah. So we had to find developers that could do what we wanted them to do. And a big part of that was... Um, I know we had this debate in the beginning of whether it would be a responsive design or whether it would just be, you know, take that design and put it on what Social Media Examiner already had. And we chose to go the direction of um, building a responsive design kind of from the ground up. And that was awesome to me, that, was, that process, because they had to take the masthead and then kind of put the, the structure around that and make sure it looks good on all devices. And there was, once again, that same back and forth and back and forth. Okay, we don't like this font color. Let's tweak it a little bit and so and on. And we should back up. We, we actually were going to go with uh, a different company and we changed at the last minute because we just... We needed somebody who had, first of all, availability and also was willing to push the envelope because one thing we should probably state is I make everyone push the envelope. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, there is never a circumstance ever where someone sends me something in these kinds of processes and I don't think, oh, yeah, and let's do that too. You know what I mean? And um, I try to – this is part of the reason why I think we've been successful is because we never, ever accept – you know, good enough. We're always trying to do things that either have never been done before or, you know, are outside the bounds of what people normally do. And I want to talk a little more about that. Go ahead. Because, um, you know, you, we said a little earlier what the vision statement was and how we strive for excellence. Everything we do is excellence. Um, and, and what was fascinating about this process to me is that when people came with something good, there was always a pushback. And there was always a, okay, we can make this much better. There's always, we are looking for that excellence. And you had a way of pushing me, of pushing me to push the developers, of pushing the developers. Of, everyone was being pushed to make sure that. But in the we, end, what did they say? In, in the end, it's kind of like, wow, this thing looks amazing. And I just love that aspect of and it. And the developers and, said that we were a pleasure to work with and one of the finest teams I've ever worked with, you know, because we pushed them to exactly. <laughs> create something they've never done before. Exactly. And, you know, um, just to briefly talk about the, 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 the creative process there, um, you know, I used to own a design agency and website design is a lot of what we did. So, you know, typically it starts with wireframes and then it starts with functions and then it starts with creating colors that work together and then backgrounds and cool little elements and white space and just all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, the responsive thing was totally new to me. So we were testing this thing on every conceivable platform we could think of, weren't we, Leslie? Oh, yeah, we were. Even on my Android device. <laughs> now you know the key. The key thing um, when you're doing this kind of stuff is to is to is to allow plenty of time to to tweak and to test. And we should probably state we were actually going to launch this thing a long time ago, weren't we? Yeah, we were going to do a beta launch before and then have the full launch um, at Social Media Marketing World. We were going to beta launch in January, but we yeah. realized we we had not allocated enough time to to the actual process of going from the artwork 
to the actual functioning website. Yeah. And I, because I'd done this so many times, you know, cause we built out our entire, you know, uh, the networking close was an entire network that we built on, on an on a awesome platform. I just remember how much work that was and how much tweaking that is. And you know, one of the key things I want to say is never ever compromise on your vision. Yeah. Like I wasn't willing to accept no, was I Leslie? <laughs> Absolutely not. And, you know, there's always a way. And sometimes, you know, I had to make the hard decision. We're not going to be ready. We're not going to be ready to launch this thing. We, we originally wanted to launch this thing way, you know, way earlier than we are, but it just yeah. wasn't ready. And sometimes, you know, you need to say, okay, um, in, our, in our case, we strive for quality. We cannot let this come out now and have people be upset because it doesn't work because then it's never going to work in the long run. So anyways, I'm enough said enough on that. Yeah. So that's the development phase. And there was a lot that went into that. Um, but then beyond that, there's another phase and that's the reveal. I want to talk a little bit about that because there's a lot that we're doing right now um, in this phase. So let's talk a little bit about how we, how we go about doing that. Well, first of all, um, there's the tease component of the phase. And yeah. um, I forget there's a name for this thing. But um, what I like to do is I like to, I like to let you know, my audience know that we've got something exciting coming. And there's a bunch of interesting things that we did to tease this. For example, um, I took a picture of a rock on my lap. And I said, we've got something exciting coming out. Before that, I showed a tiny little piece of the actual illustri- illustration that we've been talking about. Yeah. And somebody said, what are you buying a city in Montana? You know, they're all guessing. So there's all these little things that I've been drip feeding to my Facebook friends. And we've been doing it a little bit on our Social Media Examiner Facebook page. We've also been teasing the Social Media Marketing World attendees on the event page that we've got some exciting something we're going to reveal. So anticipation is the first part of the, of the, of the thing. And I gotta, I gotta pause here for a second. There is no stronger marketing in the world than anticipation. And, you know, if you want to see this at work, all you'd have to do right now is look at the Twitter hashtag for social media marketing world. And literally people are like about to explode. They're so excited about what's going to happen, yep. you know, at the conference. Um, and if you think about when, you know, Apple, whenever they're about to release something new and nobody knows what it is. I mean, everybody goes nuts and they get a lot of people talking about it. So anticipation is your friend. And anticipation marketing is something that we try to do as the early part of our marketing phase. And then, you know, Leslie, why don't you talk a little bit about um, the big reveal that we're going to do? I'll tease it up a little bit and I don't want you to say what it is yet, precisely, (laughs) but... um, I'm the opening keynote at Social Media Marketing World. And, um, you know, that's an opportunity for me to be in front of literally thousands of marketers, the largest audience that I will have ever been in front of, because when you're the opening keynote, everybody shows up, you know, and um, when I'm done with the when I'm done with the keynote and some of you that are listening to this after the keynote, you were there and you know what happened. I'm going to say, but wait. There's one more thing and I'm going to go up is going to come on the screen, a picture of this rock on my lap. And then I'm going to call you up on the stage. And Leslie, again, without revealing the details of what it is we're revealing, what's going to happen when you show up on that stage? 
So I'm going to come up on the stage. Of course, I'm going to be super excited. I'm going to try to contain myself a little bit. But um, what I'm going to do is first we're going to play a video um, that we record, that you recorded. Um, you had a, a, a guy out there that put together this awesome video that tells an awesome, compelling story. And at the end, you reveal this thing that we're going to be revealing. And, 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 and let's pause there for a second. It's just a yeah. two-minute video. Yeah. And I took the data from the research. I knew what the problems were. Yep. And it's basically me out on a mountain hiking, reflecting on the challenges that I face as a social media marketer. Yeah. And what's fascinating to me about all of this is, you know, we spoke about research and development. We spoke about the design and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of those elements, qu quite frankly, are in the video. And all of the things that we mentioned are in the video are all throughout the, 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 the design of the site, the layout of the site, and it all comes together as this cohesive whole. Um, so at the end, once we show the video, I'm going to talk. I'm going to let them know more details about it, and I'm going to invite them to join what we're calling the founders list. I want you to talk a little bit about the concept behind this founders list. Well, first of all, before I do that, I do want to let everyone know that Leslie's not going to say a lot about what this is. He's just going to say a little bit about what this is. And the video says nothing about what this is. It just introduces it literally in one second at the end. So um, the whole idea is to get a lot of buzz and excitement. And part of our hope is that a lot of people are going to come up to Leslie thinking they know what it is and talking to him about it at the conference, which is another form of research, affirmity testing, uh, you know, affirmation testing, if you will. Yep. And um, but, but the reason we're putting together this founders list, and, and before we talk about that, we should also state that we're going to encourage them to, to send an SMS text message to get on the founders list. Ah, uh, yes. Which I think is pretty exciting because they'll have their phones and literally in seconds get their name on that list. And we're also going to, you know, um, uh, later on, we're going to, uh, in, in the evening, at the evening keynote, we're going to do a chair drop, which means we're going to put a little flyer on everyone's chair. Uh, with a little reminder of to get them on that list now um, and we'll also email the people that are the attendees of the show and they're all the first ones that are going to find out about this and of course people are probably going to be tweeting and and stuff and, and and revealing a little bit about what we're doing but you want me to talk about why the founders list yeah why is that why not well I was going to say why not just start selling it then but it's not ready yet um, but why the founders list specifically Okay, I want to get back to something else before I say that. So I just want to say this so yeah, that we no can problem. get back to it. I want to get back to why we decided to not advertise this thing all over the show and make this thing a sponsor of the show. So remember to come back to that. Yes. So, so the founders list, the idea behind the founders list, I, I did this with my, with my kids' adventures. I got a thousand people on this list that um, were excited about what we were doing. And um, I used that to drip feed them really awesome videos, behind the scenes stuff about how we were doing, what we were doing to launch My Kids Adventures. And I just found that was like a huge, huge success. First time I'd ever done it. And it really rallied a bunch of people. Everybody loves behind the scenes kind of stuff, how, how you're doing what you're doing. That's why I'm sure the show will be very successful. And um, that's the reason we're building that founders list is because we want to build that anticipation. And we want to essentially, um, ultimately, the hope is that we will only offer this um, thing that we're going to reveal to those that are on the founders list. We're not, and, and that's going to kind of be our beta. So we're not going to use all of our channels to advertise um, anything but the video. 
and to get people onto the founders list. And once people resonate with the video, they're going to self-select and get onto the founders list, which is hopefully that ideal audience that resonates with the message will drip them content over the, over a period of time and then ultimately reveal to them what it is that we have to sell that you can now get it if you want it. And that of course is increasing the anticipation. It's increasing the excitement and people are just now ready and waiting for that big announcement of now you can be a part of it. Absolutely. Awesome. So when we were thinking about this whole launch process, we went through a number of phases, right? I remember in the beginning, we were talking about, you know, having it as an official sponsor of Social Media Marketing World. We were going to get a booth and possibly have certain things in that booth that really get people engaged with the content. Um, but then we decided to kind of pull back and just kind of reveal it in this way that we just described. Why did we decide to go in that direction? Well, I was really conflicted because here... I am the founder of the company putting on this big conference and I've got at my disposal literally everything, right? So yeah. we could have um, we could have made this thing the platinum sponsor of the show. We could have put a big old ad on the back of the conference guide. There's so many things that we could have done, but instead that I decided the element of surprise would be so much yeah. more powerful. The fact that nobody sees this coming until literally I say there's one more thing. I thought that that, um, that impact of having that captive audience there, those thousands of people showing them that video and hearing you talk for just a couple minutes would be more powerful than the alternative, which is they get their conference guide, they go through it, they check it out, they already know what it is before they come. Yeah. So I made the difficult decision to actually completely make it a surprise because it worked so well when I did that for the My Kids Adventures project. And for what it's worth, that part of the project for My Kids Adventures was a huge success, you know? Yeah. Getting people interested in it was never the problem with My Kids Adventures. It was, it was the other issues that we talked about. So I knew that this was much more powerful. I soundboarded the idea across you and a bunch of other people, and we came up with the idea of actually not letting anyone know that this was coming or what was coming until literally the moment it happened. Awesome. So we've been spending a lot of time talking about the launch process and hinting about something exciting that we're going to launch and this video that we created. Since I can't show you the awesome visuals um, over this medium, I want to play the audio for you. And I want you to hear very carefully the messages that we have crafted as a result of all of this research that we've done. And at the very end of this audio clip, which comes from that video, we reveal exactly what it is that we've been hinting about the entire time. After, the, after I play this audio, Leslie's going to tell you a little bit more about that. So here we go. I was celebrating a milestone when I reflected how, just a few years back, it was much easier to market my business. Back then, I wrote a few blog posts a week and promoted them across the social channels. Rinse and repeat, it just worked. But somewhere along the journey, I began working harder and harder, only to get the same or worse results. I was so focused on doing what I knew had always worked that I lost touch with an industry that was literally changing right in front of me. It wasn't until I started a new project in a new industry that my eyes were open to new ways to market my business. I said, wait a second. Why haven't I been trying all these new ideas? What took me so long? My biggest issue was frankly, time. How could I, as a marketer trying to help my business succeed, 
also be that explorer who's out there looking for new ways. My work had expanded to building communities, supporting customers, creating graphics, developing videos, and the list goes on and on and on. I knew I needed a better way. How can I still be an explorer? And how can I also keep my company on the edge? Wouldn't it be cool to find a place where marketers like us could explore and share new discoveries? What if there was a resource where folks like me could avoid trial and error and focus on what really works? I decided it was time to build that resource. Sometimes all we need are a few good ideas to spark our creativity. This is the Social Media Marketing Society. Will you join me? Let's bring sanity back to the marketer. Mike, when I listen to that, I get so excited because I think to myself, man, that's me. And I, I, I imagine that the person that's listening to this podcast right now, they definitely resonate with that. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about this idea of quality. We've been talking about this idea of excellence. And if anyone has been listening to this podcast, they've been reading Social Media Examiner, maybe they attended the conference or the success summit, they know that that is something that Social Media Examiner strives for. And I want you to imagine that same concept, that same idea of striving for excellence, apply to an online community that you get to be a part of. So one that's going to be really helping you to stay at the leading edge of social media, where you get to learn from the people that are doing this every day, where you get your questions answered and you avoid the trial and error. That's the picture that I want you to have in mind. And that is what the Social Media Marketing Society is all about. And Well, I hope everybody that's listening uh, found a lot of value. Leslie, thank you so much for uh, joining me today on the show for the first time and exploring what it takes to launch a podcast. Hope a lot of people found value out of it. Thank you, Leslie. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, I hope you found value in that episode. I know there was a lot of things that I don't typically talk about in this show, and I hope you found it useful. If you're listening to this episode in the future, you can simply visit society.socialmediaexaminer.com. The founders list won't be around anymore, but you'll be able to at least hopefully learn a little bit about what that is all about. Also, we take all the show notes for you. So if there's anything we mentioned that you might want to, that you didn't capture because you're out and about, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 138B. That's 138 with the letter B. The reason we came up with the B is because we decided to add this podcast into production after we'd already recorded episodes 139, 140, so so on and forth, so forth. Uh, socialmediaexaminer.com/138b. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.